Oftentimes, what we do and to whom we do it have effects far beyond our own understanding and our own intentions. Fate can play strange tricks when working her loom, drawing together the most unlikely of threads and to the most unlikely of stories. Some of these stories and unlikely threads are nets, hermaphrodites, and sunflowers. What does one of these have to do with the other? As fate saw fit when weaving her loom, a very great deal. This is Sojourner's Spirituality Pagan Podcast, and today we will be covering one of the myths from the Ovid's Metamorphoses. This is the myth of sunflowers. Venus, ever seeking to prove that love conquers all, has waged many wars and fought many, many battles. Though they may be less bloody, they are no less desperate, and oftentimes twice as dangerous as those fought with swords. Venus changed the course of the gods with her ambition, many times upsetting the natural order, from the Trojan War, the marriage of Persephone, and many of Apollo's greatest injuries, such as Laurel, were done by her or her son Cupid, who shares his mother's love of love, but his father's pride and valor. Love takes even Apollo prisoner, who rules all the stars with his light. I will tell you about his amours. He was the first god, they say, to see all the adulteries of Venus and Mars. He sees all things thirst. He was sorry to have witnessed the act, and he told her husband Vulcan, the son of Juno, of this bedroom intrigue, and where the intrigue took place. Upon hearing this, Vulcan's heart dropped, and he dropped in turn the craftsman's work which he had held in his hand. Immediately, Vulcan's mind began to think, and he filed thin links of bronze for a net, a snare that would deceive the eye. The finest spun threads, those that spiders spin from rafters, would not better his work. He made it so it would cling to the smallest movement, the lightest touch, and then artfully placed it over the bed. But when the wife and the adulterer had come together on the couch, they were entangled together, surprised in the midst of their embraces by Vulcan's craft and this new unknown method of imprisonment Vulcan prepared for them. Vulcan, however, showed himself unwise and brutish, for he brought all the gods on Olympus to witness his cuckoldry and to witness Venus and Mars tangled together. And in seeking to make a show of them, he made himself the joke. All of Olympus already knew his wife Venus was unfaithful to him. Cupid, the child of Venus and Mars, was himself an Olympian deity of great renown. Vulcan was only married to Venus out of revenge and political intrigue, as will be covered in the myth of Vulcan. But the Lemian Vulcan immediately flung open the ivory doors and let all the gods of Olympus in. There, Venus and Mars lay shamefully bound together, and one of the gods, probably Mercury, or maybe perhaps Dionysius, undismayed, prayed that he too might be shamed like that with Venus, and the gods laughed, and it was such a long time, for it was the best-known story in all of the heavens. Now, myths sometimes differ, and on one of these points, Ovid's tale of 
hermaphrodites is very different from most. A brief summary of each shall be provided, and let the listener choose which they prefer, and let them learn from both as they may. In some tales, when Venus was bound with her longtime lover and paramour Mars, Mercury, also known as Hermes, defended her honor and stood up for her, jesting and teasing Vulcan. Venus did not forget Hermes' kindness and later pursued a passionate affair with him, from whence came the being that bore both their names, Hermaphrodite, being from Hermes and Aphrodite, as they were known to the Greeks. In Ovid's tale, in the Metamorphoses, hermaphrodites are created when a naiad chased hermaphrodite, who was at the time just a beautiful boy, lustily into a pool of sacred water. And there the two, fighting and thrashing, became one body with both features of the masculine and feminine. But regardless of which myth you prefer, all that came from this shame of Venus was yet to be seen. And rather than blaming Vulcan, Venus chose to seek her revenge on Apollo. Remembering the informer exacted punishment and took revenge on him, Apollo. He who harmed her secret affair was equally himself harmed by love, son of Hyperion. Bright Apollo, what use do you are, your beauty, your luster, your radiant light? Surely you, who make all countries burn with your fires, burn now with a new fire. You, Apollo, who should discern everything, contemplate the beautiful Lekothe, and your eyes, that ought to be fixed on the whole earth, are fixed on one virgin girl. Sometimes you rise too early in the dawn sky, sometimes you sink too late in the waves. Thinking of Lekothe, you lengthen the winter hours. Sometimes you vanish, your mind's defect affecting your light, and obscurity you bring terror into men's hearts by your strange circuits. It is not because of the moon's shadow closer to the earth eclipsed you that you fade. It is this love of yours that determines your aspect. You only love her, Lakothe, and so Venus had her revenge. Apollo forgets Clymene. Fiefen's mother, and all your other suitors and loves. For all of these, there was none who adored him and wanted him more than Clytie. Although despised, Clytie seeks union with you, and either now suffers its deep wounds. For Clytie was the sister of Lakothe, and began to suspect that the bright sun did not tarry in the heavens for her, but for her sister, who was indifferent to Apollo's attention. Under the western skies are the fields of horses of the sun Apollo. They have ambrosia to crop, not grass. It nourishes their weary legs after the day's work and refreshes them for their labors, while Apollo's horse browses on celestial food and while the night carries out her role, Apollo entered his loved Akothe's room taking the shape of Lakothe's mother, Euronome. There he found Lakothe in the lamplight, amongst her twelve maids drawing out fine threads, winding them on her spindle. So Apollo, in the form of Euronome, gave Lakothe a kiss, just as a mother her dear daughter would, and says, This is secret. Servants depart, 
and don't rob a mother of the power to speak in private. The servants obeyed, and then when they are alone and there are no witnesses in the room, Apollo chose to speak. Who measures the long year? I am he. Lakothe was surprised. I see all things. The earth sees me. I the, am the world's eye, and trust me, dear Lakothe, you please me. Lakothe is afraid, and in fear at this strange visitor, her distaff and her spindle felt from her fingers. Her fear enhanced her, and Apollo, waiting no longer, resumed his true form, dropped the shape of Uranome, and became bright Apollo once again. And although the poor Lakothe was alarmed by this sudden change, she was overwhelmed by his brightness and beauty, and suppressing all her complaints, she submitted to Apollo. However, Clytie learned of this, for she was devoted to Apollo, and was fiercely jealous. There were no bounds to her love for soul, and goaded by anger at her rival and sister, she broadcast the affair maligning the girl Lakothe, betrayed her to her father. Lakothe's father, in his pride and vicious savagery, took Lakothe and buried her deep in the earth. Lakothe, praying, stretched out her hands towards Apollo, saying, He forced me against my will by way of trying to save herself. But her father didn't care. He commanded his servants to pile a heavy mound of sand over her. Upon seeing this, Apollo left his winged chariot as fast as he could from his circuit in the heavens to be by Lakothe's side. But alas, Apollo was too late. Poor nymph, Hyperion's son, dispersed with this shafts of light, and gave you a way to show your buried face, but you could not lift your head. Crushed by the weight of the earth, Lakothe lay there, a pale corpse. They say the god of the winged horses had seen nothing more bitter than this since Fifan's fiery death. Apollo tried to see if he could recall life to those frozen limbs with his powerful rays, but as fate opposed such efforts, he sprinkled the earth and the body itself with fragrant nectar. After much lamenting, Apollo said, You will still touch the air, and immediately the body soaked through with heavenly nectar, dissolved, sleeping the earth and steeping it with its perfume. Tentatively, Lakothe put out roots, the shoot of the tree, and it became resinous with incense, and it grew through the soil and pierced the summit of her burial mound. Even still, we know this as frankincense, and it is a sweet perfume to the gods that is used in many religions, the god of light Apollo, however, no longer visited Clytie, or the home where Clytie lived, nor found anything to love in Clytie, even though love might have been excuse for Clytie's pain, and her pain for her betrayal. For all that Clytie did, she did for love. Clytie, however, wasted away, deranged by her experience of love. Night and day, Clytie sat under the open sky, disheveled, bareheaded, and on the bare earth without food or even a drink, fasting for nine long days. 
Clyde lived only on dew and tears, and did not stir from the ground. She only gazed up at the god's aspect as he passed in his chariot, and turned her face towards the bright sun. They say that Clyde's limbs clung to the soil, and that her ghastly pallor changed part of her appearance to that of the bloodless plant, but the plant was reddened, and its flower like a violet hid her face. She turns, always turns towards the sun, though her roots hold her fast, and altered, Clyde loves unaltered. This flower is called the heliotrope, or, as you've known it and seen it, it's the sunflower. And thus fate weaved her tail, and now you know that her hands can draw the most unlikely of things together, and that Venus draws the most unlikely of hearts, but not always to their benefit. So be wise, be circumspect, as how could Apollo, all-seeing, predict the pain he would have brought on himself? But perhaps most of all, if you were to take one important lesson from this myth, it would be never to attempt to disgrace Venus or any woman. This is Sojourner's Spirituality. I hope you've enjoyed this story of Apollo and Venus.